my calendar is completely packed. You know, I tweeted yesterday, I woke up and first thing in the morning was BBC radio recording, and then I just did virtually back-to-back all-day-long interviews. This is Stephanie Kelton, a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. She's busy. I've been in various conversations with members from the House and the Senate side. There's high demand for this Setauket-based academic right now because she's one of the most effective popularizers of modern monetary theory, or MMT. That's the idea that the federal government is not like a household that can go broke. As the Financial Times said in a profile of Kelton, she has made a reputation explaining to, quote, governments all over the world why it was okay to spend money. Deficit hawks on both sides of the aisle have spent years preaching austerity. But Kelton has a different message, one that's finding willing ears during coronavirus, when Congress already has appropriated hundreds of billions of dollars. And the sky isn't falling. I I think that a lot of heads are turning in the direction of MMT right now, both because we have accumulated a track record over a couple of decades, I believe, of getting all the big stuff right. And there ought to be some recognition uh, of that. And I think that there is. And because what's happening around us right now looks very much like what we always said was possible when everybody else said it couldn't be done. I'm Mark Trezano, and this is episode 21 of Life Under Coronavirus, Newsday Opinion's oral history of the pandemic. I spoke to Kelton last week for a Q&A about MMT and federal spending right now. Kelton is among those academics who say that for the country to get out of this adequately, it has to spend. That's why Congress had the right idea to protect people's paychecks, she says. You know, for the most part, they had the right idea in trying to keep people attached to their employers and on payroll. That, mm-hmm. for me, that, you know, I, I was saying that I don't know that I saw anybody making that argument earlier than I maybe uh, there were people. But that was my immediate um, that was my immediate response when it became evident that we were facing, potentially facing, you know, massive dislocational labor markets. I just immediately said, look, we have to recognize that we, the government, has essentially um, rewritten people's job descriptions. And mm-hmm. we don't want to write them out of employment. We just want to give them a different task to perform. Your job now is to stay home. Um you know, uh, help us flatten the curve, save lives, prevent the healthcare system from becoming overwhelmed. That's the job we're asking of most of you. You know, the essential workers obviously have to go out, but for everyone else, that's your job. That's your job, and the government could help you pay your expenses. It does that by spending a lot of money, even if the deficit increases. We want you to be able to buy food and pay your bills, because that's about all people are doing right now. And so we've got to protect payroll so that people can, you know, do the basic things that you do when you're hunkered down. Um, Eat and pay recurring expenses. Your your rent doesn't go away. Your mortgage payments don't stop. Your car payments, your student loan payments, your utilities, you know, just recognize all of that. And it's just, for me, it was just the most obvious thing in the world to do. This is where modern monetary theory comes in. MMT is just a description of our monetary system, how it operates and... uh, how government finance works. I mean, it's a, 
it's descriptive. So MMT uh, was applicable in the mid-90s. It was applicable in the late 90s. It was applicable in the mid-2000s. It's applicable in 2020. It doesn't change anything. It's just that, you know, for decades, we've been arguing contra the conventional wisdom that, um, you know, deficits don't inherently carry all of these negative risks that the textbook story and the mainstream economics and the Congressional Budget Office have warned us that people have gotten a lot of stuff wrong when it comes to the fiscal capacity, the government's ability to spend. Look, there were Nobel Prize winning former Treasury secretaries. You had people saying uh, that if the Republicans were successful in passing their tax cuts in 2017, warning that that would leave the U.S. I'm going to quote one. You figure out who he is. <laughs> but the warning was, if these tax cuts go through, the United States of America is going to be, here's the quote, living on a shoestring for decades mm-hmm. to come. The warning was that we would be incapable of responding when the next downturn came. We would not have the fiscal fortitude to, um, you know, pass legislation to deal with a downturn in the economy, that it would open us up to vulnerabilities with respect to national security, that we may be incapable of defending ourselves militarily. Uh, I mean, these were just patently wrong. The shoestring phrase, by the way, was Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary. Kelton thinks there's a lot the federal government can do. One one possibility, obviously, is to directly hire, to reemploy people directly. Not the federal government rehire people into a public service employment program or a federal job guarantee or whatever you want to call it. Um, that is, reestablishes payroll and put people back on payroll in a federally funded um, public service job. They do not have to be sent out immediately to perform tasks, but some could. Some could be trained um, to help with the contact tracing. Some could deliver medicines and help with, um, you know, people who are food insecure, delivering meals. There are a certain number of uh, people who could actually, you know, you could test and find out if people have antibodies or things you could do to, you know, mobilize some portion of the unemployed, but most of them, for the time being, you would pay to, again, stay stay home, hunker down, and when the time comes, um, we'll find actual work, you know, for you to perform. The risk, Kelton says, is not that we spend or do too much. The risk is doing too little. I, from my perspective, I, I, will, I will embrace uh, an imperfect policy uh, proposal that isn't, you know, it's just not able to target exactly the dollars and to figure it all out. So I will embrace something that's, um, you know, what I'll say maybe more than what you might think we would do if we were better in a position to better tailor. I prefer that than doing too little. Thanks for listening to Life Under Coronavirus. If you know of someone we should be covering, or if you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543. That's 631-213-1543. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. 
Once again, I'm Mark Chisano from Newsday Opinion. Amanda Facina is our producer. Stay healthy. See you next time.